It's that time of the year when your league may be separating into several tiers. Top tier teams who could win it all. Fringe playoff teams hoping for a strong second half. Injury riddled teams too far behind or thinking they can still compete. And the teams that never had a shot and are giving wins to everyone they play as they head down that old dirt road. Ty, it's time for dingers. Yeah, boy! This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park <laughs> Let's see the stats, what's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement Check the lineups and the points, this I gotta see What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head, please don't do me no favors We're always watching waivers, ain't no minor league, this is major Yeah, Dingers, let's go Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Paul Goldschmidt that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs, and joining me again this evening is Robert Baseball the Third. Welcome, you boy. <laughs> <laughs> that that one's by far my favorite one that I that I have on the soundboard. It's just it's a lot of fun. And it's hard to screw it up, right? Like, you can't really have a bad spot for it. Yeah, boy! So, it's just, it's going to be the one I go to, probably, guilty pleasure too many times. Oh, great. Lucky us. So, before we dive into today's episode, I thought it would just be fun to do a quick brief overview. Throughout our season, we've been tracking the dumb things that we've said. And some of them are quite accurate, other ones not so much. So, uh, it's kind of funny because I just scrolled down in our show notes and we have them hanging on the bottom of them. So I thought it'd be fun to just kind of jump into them real quick, leading off the very first one. I feel like this is, you know, a slight mention to friend of the show, Glenn, uh, as well, because he's definitely part of this conversation. And that the very first one was one of our first episodes in our player ranks. Manny Machado will be a utility <laughs> player three years from now. And <laughs> You know, that's that's just not the case. He is currently on fire. And the 60th-ranked player in Yahoo, after, you know, a reasonably slow start. I was going to uh, say, Glenn wasn't too far off when we hit mid-May. <laughs> but, I mean, the reality is, though, you're switching leagues, you're going to, you know, have it. I know he, he was in the playoff run with the Dodgers and saw some of the pitching. But, um, you know, ultimately, it's just not a full season yet. And those adjustments were clearly made. So, um, you know, that was the very first one. And this may be the best one on the list, and that's Jan Moncada is good at baseball <laughs> and is a valuable fantasy baseball player. And is he? He definitely is. Yeah. Uh, I think it's hard to argue at this point that, that Jan Moncada is not a valuable player. Is he the Steels guy that I think a lot of early scouts thought he was going to be? No. But is he a valuable asset? 100%. Yeah, he's ranked 103 on Yahoo as of today, July 20-something. And, uh, yeah, like his season line's looking pretty good, batting 300, 882 OPS. Um, but the walk to K thing has still crept up again on him. Uh, 30 walks, 110 Ks at this point, seven stolen bases, like you said, Ty. Not a big deal that he's not going to be that stolen base threat. Um, but, yeah, 18 dingers, like, Nothing, nothing to hate here. 54 runs, 56 RBIs. And he's playing on a team that's not doing great. So all of those other peripheral numbers can go up. Um, RBIs runs if he has more people on base. Well, and lots of talent coming around him over the next couple of years too. And I mean, his numbers have also faded a little bit since Tim Anderson got hurt. So there's, there's a lot of things there. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to be very good. He's still very young and that team has a lot of growing to do and he's going to be a big part of it. Yeah, it's a, it was a good move when Chicago decided their window was closed on this potential core and they made such a great trade with Washington. Um, Adam Eaton, I, I mean, my goodness, he was so highly valued with that trade that, you know, Reynaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito came over and I'm forgetting the other pieces, but those were the two big ones. And then Chris Sale for Moncada and Kopech and, I believe there were others like it's it was a great move for 
Boston to get the player they wanted at, at his peak or, you know, within his peak, but it's also working out quite well for Chicago to be able to get that core together. Um, that's well, going to get to play together. And they rebuilt, rebuilt it in like, what, what was that? Like 72 hours or a week or it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't all that far <laughs> apart. Right. Like, yeah. When really, you count the signings and give them a draft or two to, you know, get Madrigal in and everything else. Like I would say by 2022, that's going to be a pretty damn good veteran laden lineup. Well, and if somehow Rodon and Kopech are at peak again in 2021, I, I like them to be very good by then because I think you add one good free agent into that roster and you're laughing. Yeah, they certainly need the pitching to, um, I don't want to say stabilize because it's like Reynaldo Lopez has been back and forth. But I think, yeah, they definitely need to continue to improve on the pitching side. Last year, Lopez established himself. This year, he's having a bit of a struggle, but it certainly doesn't mean he can't reestablish himself and Giolito has broken through. So, I mean, a lot of people are saying Giolito, Giolito is uh, um, less sustainable, but at the same time, if I was to choose between Giolito and Matt Boyd, I'm taking Giolito. Uh, I don't know what's going to go on with Matt Boyd trade deadline and all the other things going on, but I really like the Chicago core. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree at all. And you know, it would be a really interesting signing for them attitude wise and just everything would be a Stroman to the White Sox. Could be a good culture vibe there that, you know, just the way he is and the yep. way the Chicago fans are. I think there's a good fit there, but, um, you know, similar to why he likes New York. But anyway, um, the next one on the list was mine, and this is the one I've worn happily uh, as Gritchick as a top 10 outfielder. Uh, <laughs> it went over great when you said it. <laughs> no! so you know it's ultimately one that um you know they always say bad press is good press and i feel like that got us some some reps and ultimately (laughs) maybe maybe more traction with a long tail than we wanted but uh ultimately it works so um the other one that that's on this list that's kind of funny is sunny gray as a closer in 2020 and Sunny Gray, you know, really? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there was some re- reality to that at the beginning of the season. Um, but he certainly revitalized himself in, in Cincinnati since then. Yeah. Like he started, he started rough this season, but yeah, now he's, he, he's just a, a quality starter. Yeah. It's not so long ago that he sucks. So, you know, we can look at it now and say, Hey, that was stupid. But when we said it, like that was a very real possibility. Yeah, and like Carlos Martinez, uh, a lot of people didn't see him as a reliever because he certainly isn't a closer and he certainly isn't starting. So, so what? Uh, before we jump in here, what what do you got on the the uh, palette for this evening? Um, I went for the Bud Light or the champagne piss, of beers. Bud Light, <laughs> yeah, the champagne of beers. On the uh, opposite end, I have Presidente. Whoa. Fancy. So the wife was in the Dominican Republic last year scouting future draft picks. Obviously. And she brought me back a, a couple bottles of the Presidente and some of the local rum for me to sample. So um, this is my first taste, first taste of the old Presidente here. I could also see it being like PC, like President's Choice for those Canadians who understand the uh, PC label. Yeah. Does yeah, it state I mean, what it is, or is it non-Ingles? It's a Pilsner, uh, Authentico okay. Orgulio Dominicano. Ah, nice. So we're going to need a <laughs> translation on that, please. Anyone? Yeah. Yeah, most of the rest for of that. It, yeah, I, don't, I can't read anything else, but that's, that's as far as I got. Cool. Yeah, I, I only went with the Bud Light uh, because it was 30 cans with some sort of uh, free... Uh, party piece that came with it. It was it was like a deck of cards with cups or some stupid little signboard that you can write whatever you want on, which is what I ended up getting, or I think headphones. And I was like, oh, the headphones would be nice because I just have the little earbuds. So I was like, ah, it's 50 bucks for 30 beers, which a lot of you Americanos are going to say, oh my God, who would pay that? Everyone in Canada pays that. That's not, that's not two bucks a beer. That's a hell of a price. So uh, yeah, that's what I went for. I agree. Um, I like when my wife buys it because then I don't have to worry about the price. Yeah, and it's a gift. Yeah. It's fantastic. I gave her one of these. Yeah. 
So yeah, she, she didn't know how to receive that. Yeah. Probably just walked away. <laughs> Same thing that my wife does whenever I try to give her something, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's, they just do not appreciate, you know, the simpler things in life. <laughs> like our brains. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but oh. moving on to our topic for the week. I'm oh, sorry, Ty, did you want to go off? No, to I was going to parlay into it as well. So, okay. All right. So this week we are talking about tanking and how it can affect your league. Does it matter? Is it a reason you might leave a league? Are there scenarios in which your league or things your league has done to try to curb it? Um, or is it, is it welcome? So we can go through a lot of different scenarios. We did ask uh, some of our listeners. You can always hit us up at Dingers Pod on Twitter uh, or myself at Robbie Baseball One or Ty at Turney Boss, T-O-U-R-N-E-Y, Boss. Yep, no question mark in there though. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure I was trying to pull it up and my screen froze. So, um, yeah, so we did we did ask if uh, anybody had thoughts on it, and uh, I guess if you want to, I can go through what I got, and then we can discuss the points. Or do you want to just talk in general? What what are your views on tanking in fantasy baseball? See, now I I think it has to be a legitimate tank. Like I don't think you should enter any one season, and, and I think this is a a good overview. I don't think there's any one approach at the beginning of a season where you should be thinking about losing from day one. Like Agreed. what you're, you're buying into this. What is the point? I think that's the one thing we've done really, really well with in our home league is that we haven't had a lot of write-off seasons. Like, I mean, my season this season is a hundred percent written off right now, but as of two weeks ago, I, there was a very real chance I could still make the playoffs. And so right. I'm always an advocate for having, more playoff teams because I think it stops tanking. And I think it's the biggest combat from, you know, having the tank scenarios. And I, I, I think if you get to a point in the season and it's done, absolutely you're going to tank. So, I mean, the reality is as long as people are competitive and they're still going out and having, um, putting in a good solid effort, I'm good with the tank. But if they're, you know, intentionally pulling guys from lineups or just not setting lineups or things like that, that's where you got to draw the line. And that's where anti-tanking rules come in because there is people out there that do that crap. But um, just it's, it depends on who has integrity. And, and again, we've done a very good job in the home league of this. We've booted people that have been on that side and even some that were winning, um, you know, but some that have tanked or been non-responsive, just boom, see you later. Well, I know two years ago, somebody in the home league tanked the last week against me and I was already a, a crappy team that was um, really looking forward to trying to get another win and get, I believe I was trying to get out of the beer bitch position, which we have discussed before the bottom two uh, GMs or teams end up serving all the alcohol at the in-person draft, best part of the league. Um, and I can't remember. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was that happened, but I think whoever I was playing just pulled all their pitching. So they weren't going to get the pitching innings, which meant eight, it's an eight by eight league, which meant eight of the stats were automatically going to be a zero. So they just needed to lose in one category and on the, on the bat side and they would have lost. And that would have got them a better draft position, which was all they cared about was one pick in the draft. And I know there was a lot of, um, a lot of comments about how that was BS and, and for myself as well, like I actually wanted to earn a victory and move out of the, the lower position because to me, I don't think there's a big difference between one slot in the draft because especially in this league where this is one where you can draft anybody MLB ears or MILB ears, it, it's all opinion. Once, once you get past maybe one or two or maybe even the top like three guys available, um, you have no idea what's going to happen in that draft. I ended up taking uh, the fourth pick I think I had and Shohei Otani, the pitcher. So, yeah. And I mean, for me, it just, it comes down to everyone in the league holding people accountable, right? It doesn't always have to be the commissioner, but everyone needs to kind of keep an eye on those things. Cause to your point, like you played that guy and you've noticed it, right? So mm. ultimately you're like, Hey, wait a second. Um, had that changed. Yeah. And I mean, had it changed things for the worse, right? Like had it, how to intentionally shifted things. That's where the commissioner has to kind of overstep and say, all right, guys, here's a tanking situation. I'm going to reverse this. Here's how it's going to play out for next season. Right. And that's, that's something the 
Yahoo's and the fan tracks and everyone else has started to allow that manipulation. Whereas in the past, those things were harder to come by uh, or harder to adjust in, in that. So um, I think the systems have made it easier to control some of this stuff, but ultimately, you know, I know we don't have that problem between the beer bitch rule and the random selection for the first overall pick at the bottom, you know, those couple of things have really impacted, you know, negatively the reason to tank. So, you know, as long as you have those things set in advance, if somebody wants to kind of hold themselves to those things, then by all means, like have at it. Right. And if they're just donating to the champions, you can't be that upset. What, you know, where it impacts things is where you got a bubble team that's almost in the playoffs winning against a tanking roster. Right. Then it gets and I, I agree with you on that one. I feel like, yeah, if you, and like you had said originally, if you started out the season and you thought, I don't care about this year. Um, and I, I am in a league now where they removed somebody who they had said in the previous, I think two or three seasons had made monumental trades that basically lopsided the league from the start. And this is in the stupid Roto league that I'm in. And in that Roto league, the guy whose team I now have, um, he basically traded any, impact MLB asset to acquire a top prospect. So it immediately hurt his own roster immediately gave somebody else a really big boost after all the drafting and everything had been done. And they felt it kind of tilted the league and he had done it more than once. So at some point in time, this guy got all upset, said he was going to quit, quit. And they were like, okay, good. He's gone. And then within like, I guess an hour or two was like, Hey, I'm sorry about that you know, want back in. And they were like, no, no, no. Cause exactly like you said, Ty, they were sick of seeing the pattern because it wasn't a one-off. It wasn't like one week he decided. Cause like at the end of your season, if the, if that week is not important to you, I, I would just say, set your lineup, put in players who are of use. Maybe they're not the most helpful players to you. Like if you are a Ryan O'Hearn owner, like I happen to be in more than one league, maybe O'Hearn's going to play down the stretch for me. Cause his 184 average just isn't uh, going to help, but it's also an MLB player. Uh, but I, I hate right now we're in an auction league um, or I'm in an auction league, 30 team league. And there's a team who started the year off, spent a lot of money. And this is the real money league where if you bet 40 bucks or auction 40 bucks for a player, you own that player for 40 actual dollars. The league fee is whatever your fee is for your baseball team. And this team has uh, in their starting lineup, Joe Adele, Luis Robert, a whole bunch of non MLB players and on their bench, Austin Meadows, um, Jeez, who else? What? What? A, just a good team. There's a good MLB team on this guy's bench because he desperately wants the first pick in our draft. Which, if you think about it, he really wants Adley Rushman. Which is the dumbest thing you can do is to tank to pick up a catcher in fantasy. But but that's what his heart is set on. And our rules are stated because this is the first year, and we do a draft in mid-August that whoever has the worst record at whatever the date is. I don't know if it's the 31st of this month. Um, that's how they do the draft order. So I've, I entered into this league and got a lot of guys that I thought would be better in two and three years. So I'm not doing so hot this year, but I'm fine with not doing so hot this year. And this guy like started out wanting to win and then they just sold off everybody that they possibly could. Um, so they've been working within the, the league rules, which stated if you don't get a certain number of innings pitched, then you get zero for the category. So they just keep taking zeros and they're trying to lose. And it just frustrates the crap out of me because like you said, that's somebody who's intentionally trying to lose. Right. And again, it comes down to one word and it's integrity. And some of that falls on the commissioner as well too, right? Their job is to police some of this stuff and watch for it and just check in on it from time to time. Right. Yahoo allows you to change starting lineups. Uh, I don't know that you can do that in other formats. I'm sure you probably can't could find a way, but um, I believe CBS does. And I know Fantrax does like I can go in and, and help cause we had somebody who left in, in one of our leagues and uh, the commissioners, we just decided we would set what we felt was their best lineup um, while we were trying to find a replacement owner. Yeah. And so. that's exactly it, right? That, that's how you police these things, right? If you run into a team that um, is setting, not setting their lineup in the last week of the season, just go ahead and be a friendly commissioner and set it for them, right? Like there's easy ways to solve some of these problems. And I feel like a lot of commissioners kind of react instead of, you know, be proactive or act on these sort of things. So, you know, ultimately that's the stuff that, that eliminates these hassle moments from your league and really allow for that sustainability. And like I said, I'm pretty happy with 
where we're at in our home league. I think we've got a couple other leagues that you and I are in that are on similar pathways, a little bit younger, but we'll kind of experience the same kind of balance. And, you know, I think that's a nice part of, of having good commissioners really at the end of the day. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's having people who are willing to take in ideas instead of just, um, say whatever it is. Now, the one rule that we have in, in several of the leagues where I'm a commissioner is we, pardon me, we will not make any in-season changes. If we've made an error and something occurs, like in one of the leagues, you can't pick up a rookie until they've exceeded the rookie limits. That's just a rule. It sucks because right now you can't go get Matt Beattie. Um, you can't go get Mike Brousseau. You can't go get a bunch of guys. When Marcus Walden was uh, doing good things for the Red Sox, you couldn't pick him up. And But as soon as as soon as they passed that, um, that rookie limit, they were available on waivers. And once they were, you could bid up. So I think in the real money auction league, Walden went for 17 actual dollars. And now he's been cut. <laughs> but that's what happens, right? It's uh, it's a Harold Ramirez, I think, is one of the other ones. Yeah. Nobody drafted him, so he was just a free agent. As soon as he became available, fifteen dollars he went for, and and that's because teams had traded money away, so they kind of had money in the bank to play with. But at the same time, the rules stated that this is what you have to do. And and we, as the commissioners, were talking, how can we fix this for next year? Because we certainly don't want somebody to sit on the waiver wires that could be helping your team. Cause in real baseball, if somebody for some reason, let's say there there's a team in minor league baseball, that's free agents. If, and there's some guys ripping it up on the free agent team. Well, an MLB team is going to go sign that guy, just like they would have out of indie ball. They'll go sign them and put them somewhere in their organization. We, we made the error that you can't do that in our league. So we've discussed how we'll rectify it, but we're not doing it in season. So yeah, and I mean, it's those things you learn from. And I mean, for me, I learned from other conveners, you know, previous to taking a convener role. And I think you could probably say the same. Um, you know, it's just, it's to your point, listening. And, and that's how you stop some of these tanking things from happening. But, you know, I, I think when it comes down to uh, the nuts and bolts of it all, I think a lot of it lies on the commissioner side of things. And I think that failure to recognize that is often where these things are allowed to happen is because they say, hey, hey, guys, no tanking, right? Well, no, that's not how you do it. Okay, if anyone's tanking, here's the consequences in the rules. Done, right? You got to have rules before people start breaking them or, or it's going to cause some trouble. Yeah, and, and if you have, like, we have something. Um, so in the 130-team league, um, that's an 8 by 8 we have the rule that if you miss the playoffs for two years, the potential exists that you can be removed from from the league and the reason for that is that obviously several teams are going to miss the playoffs more than two years in a row but if you're not putting forth an effort to be competitive so if you are the guy who is always getting prospects or if things just don't go well for you up to a certain point in the year and you just sell everybody off that's that's okay but if you're the guy who is never competitive if you're the like two and 22 team or the oh and 20 whatever it is if you can't be competitive at some point in time basically within three years then this league's probably not for you. And I know some people feel like you pay your money, you can do whatever you want. But when you're in a league that it has a lot of division play, what happens within a division is that you tilt it to the teams that are either average or better than average, and they get bolstered up. So now you've got a team who's got a way better record because they have, say, two teams that are tanking, plus a third that they've played from another division. And it can just become a little messy. So um, the league that I started up, that's the 30-team 8x8 based on our home league, um, I tried to put a lot of things in place for tanking to prevent it. And it'll be interesting this offseason how everything kind of works out and how we really kind of wrangle it in starting for next year because next year a lot of people may have forgotten the fact that they could get booted and um, when they return and realize like oh right I do need to be a more competitive team this year we'll see how that actually works because in that league in particular I'm not going to end up in the playoffs I've had a ton of injuries I think I had 15 guys on the IL at one point and next year's a big year for me but at the same time, I'm also trying to win. And I know other people like the, the worst offense I think is you don't set a lineup when you can yeah, um, or you, you intentionally pull guys. But next to that is 
you just you just do not put a you you'd never acquire MLB players or you don't use the waiver wire or you don't use other things. And in the in the off season, you can go through and you can check all these things. So I know in the one league I'm in, uh, the commissioners we all split up duties and we checked all these things out. And we took this rule, which I wanted to talk to you about, which is um, if you are a bottom four team. So this is what we were discussing before. If you're a bottom four team in this 30 team league, you automatically get picks. 17 like so the worst team gets pick one first round 20th overall second worst team gets pick 19 third 18 fourth 17 the top 16 teams that miss the playoffs so i think we have 10 that make the playoffs so the 16 that don't they all go into a playoff bracket for draft position which like you had said, keeps teams competitive when there's more playoff positions. This isn't for playoff position per se, but it basically means that 26 of the 30 teams all play until the last week of September. So my only issue with that, I have, I have two really, um, you know, take, take my team in, in our home league. Um, here's a, here's a team that is maybe a top five team in that league. I've had some pitching issues this year, but if I even got replacement level pitching, I'm in the top five without question with that roster. However, I haven't got that. I'm in the bottom season's over. So, you know, there's a little bit of luck involved and you can end up in that bottom group very fast, just based on luck, not based on effort, not based on anything else. So to penalize that, I, I think there's a, there's a problem with, with that structure as a result of that. Do I like the 16 team structure? Absolutely. I, I think that's fun. But the second issue that I have is that you create two tiers of tanking. Now you're creating that team that maybe is the the 10th place or the 9th place or the 8th place team that says, okay, I'm going to tank the last four weeks of the season so I get into this bracket because I know I'm not good enough to beat number one. So, you know, there's some problems with that structure as well. Um, and, and again, there's, there's probably realistically no perfect structure here. Uh, what I would prefer to see, in my honest opinion, is this. I'd rather see the bottom eight playoff for the, the top picks every season, but have the bottom half of that bracket, you know, penalized differently, right? So instead of tearing them right from the beginning, have them still play off. The top four teams out of the bottom eight um, get one through four, but then the bottom four out of that maybe go to like 12 through 16 or something like that. Um, right. So if you're truly not competitive, then you don't, I think like that's similar. Like the only reason that I think we did the four automatic, like the four don't play off is because by that point, um, and when you get into the bigger leagues, some teams just get beat on all year long for various reasons, you know, bad management injuries, or you went with studs and duds. And so you've got Stanton as one of your studs. That's probably really hurting you this year. Um, but diff for different reasons, I, I just really like the idea also of getting to play more weeks that matter. Yeah. So depending on your level of competitiveness, like you said, Ty, there's no perfect thing. I just really like this because last year um, I did not make it into the playoffs, I think, or whatever, however it worked out. Uh, I must've made it in, but I ended up losing the first round or something. And I ended up getting like the 12th or 13th pick. And I was like, yeah, all right. Like not the worst thing ever, but then you're looking and you're like, all right, I'm a decent team or I felt like I was a decent team. And now I'm not, like I'm not getting a mid round pick I'm getting like just outside the top 10 and, and that's fine. Um, but you would see a team that, you know, let's just say the GM's not good or whatever happened and the team's just brutal. Um, that first, like that one, one pick, especially in an auction league, which is what we're in and talking about, um, you're not going to build through the draft because there's going to be a million free agents every off season that you can rebuild your team with. The most important thing in that league, in my opinion, because you can trade draft picks. The most important thing is cap space. And we saw last year where a couple of pitchers went for ridiculous amounts of money, like money they're not worth. Like David Price, I think it's $37 million. Yeah, he Philmeyer went for like $16 million, which Yeah, is just and that was insane. the one where we had relievers going for over 10 that like, like Trevor Rogers, I think. The guys that just were not worth it, but that's because teams had cap space and cap space equaled power in the off season. Yeah, I totally agree. I really like that as a secondary thing, but it also means that if you are the worst team, just because you're not getting the first pick doesn't mean you can't rebuild. It just means you have to, you know, be a little better. And like you and I have talked about before, we both are very confident drafters. So we like the idea 
of trading picks or moving down in the draft instead of moving up because we're good to get somebody later that we think could be good further down the road or even as trade bait. Like I think I picked up in our 10, 10 rounds last year, I think in the seventh or eighth round, I picked up Tyler Beatty. Like he's getting me points. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. And, I, and that's it, right? I mean, there's a million ways to do it. The only thing that I don't like about setting a structure though, that um, it forces teams to not find their way to the bottom is I just, I don't think it's a, it's a fair way um, to allow a team to rebuild because the last thing you want is to have a team that could land uh, Bryce Harper, could land a Strasburg, could land Casey Mize. Um, you know, as you've said earlier, you don't necessarily want to draft uh, the, the catcher kid Rushman. And, but, but I do think they should have that opportunity. If their team truly sucks, they should have the opportunity to pick whoever the heck they want. And, you know, I'm okay incentivizing it a little bit. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe if you finish in the bottom five, you have to pay X dollars extra into the pot. I don't know. Like mm. there's different ways to do it um, that don't impact the, the ability to rebuild because I think that's where you lose some people in, especially in those bigger leagues, right? You know, you lose some people that say, well, my season's over. I'm not going to get a pick either. Uh, I quit. Right. And that's the yeah. last thing you want from a commissioner's perspective is having to refill teams year over year. So just trying to have that constant, you know, motivation or, uh, or reinvigoration, if you will, of that bottom team to get them over that hump coming back again. That's a successful league at the end of the day. Yeah. If, if everybody's engaged, if you've got a good group chat, if people reply, then your league's good. And I think in any league, if you, depending on your size, if you're replacing less than 10% of your league at the end of the year, you're in a good spot. Now, if that's a 10 team league, that's not quite as good a spot. Um, but if, if you're, I guess if you're replacing one or two guys, it, it hurts a little more, but if you're in a 30 team league and you're replacing three or four guys, I think that's kind of par for the course. Um, but some of the ideas and one of them that I think was, was discussed a couple years ago in the home league was freezing rosters. Once you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, um, before you give me your reply, uh, buds for you, Ty. <laughs> Appreciate that. What do, you, what do you think about the idea of freezing a roster for a team once they're mathematically eliminated? I, I don't like freezing it. So that would be waivers, I guess. Sorry. Yeah. You can so adjust your lineup. That's exactly, yeah. So that's we instituted that in that league, actually. Uh, that's a real rule that we have in place. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's that's the, the Vince rule. I wouldn't know. I'm a playoff team. So. <laughs> I mean, not yet. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a Vince rule. And really what that was is it just stops guys from going and picking up a bunch of guys that either could be valuable in the playoffs um, for, for teams that are still competing or going and picking up a bunch of prospects right before the end of the season, holding on to them and then manipulating their roster, right? It just, it was an unnecessary thing that came up. Um, I don't think the guy that did it had any real intentions of messing things up. Uh, I think it just kind of played out that way, but we decided just for competitive integrity that it made a ton of sense to freeze it because a team that's eliminated has no reason to pick it up. Um, it's just a matter of, of doing it. And we, and I believe we only did it in the last week as well. I can't remember. Well, I remember the, the final week on the last night of the regular season, I picked up glass now a couple of years ago and you reversed it. Um, and that was because I was done for the week. I think I picked him up on the Saturday and I, I couldn't start him cause he wasn't playing and you reversed it. And my whole reason was that that was the end of August. I wanted to see him play out in September and see if he was going to be worth keeping around. And I, I was totally like, I mean, I put up a stink in the sense that I think Glenn was upset about something too, that he had done. But at the end of the day, that was the year that I decided I needed to just get a basically a rookie class, a prospect class, because the MLB guys that I had, except for my man Strasburg, they, excuse me, were not working for me. So um, that was when I ended up with Acuna. And um, let me just look at my yeah, roster. And, and that's really gone now. But and that's really it. Like we're not we're not talking about freezing your rosters in the middle of July if you're the worst team ever. Uh, we're talking about when you're moving from regular season to playoffs that's when the roster freezes because nobody that's not in the playoffs needs to touch the roster. It's over. Um, there's no, there's no value to picking guys up. Rosters are done for the year and, and we'll reset accordingly. Um, so that's why we institute that rule. It's been very successful and it doesn't hurt, you know, the playoff runs. Like if you have a guy like, 
AJ Puck this year coming up at some point here in August or into September. Let's say he comes up in September for whatever reason. That's a guy that's going to be valuable down the stretch. And, you know, somebody's going to want to pick him up. But the reality is their season's already over. So it's kind of a you got to pick a line, right? And because, that, I think that's more for keeper leagues because in the dynasties, those guys are owned. 100%. Sorry, I shouldn't. The bigger leagues, those guys are going to be owned. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, it, it is also like the random guy. So if you're like, let's say right now you're 1, 11, and 1 or something, something like that, that's not really flattering and you're definitely not going to make the playoffs. If you're going out and picking up every like guy who starts his his week four for ten <laughs> to Drew, see, Ver, you know. Drew Verhagen yeah yeah there you go and anyway yeah anyone with one good start you're out there picking them up like that's that's how you get your team to be better in season but once once you're now mathematically eliminated the idea that you couldn't pick it up anymore I I'm against it it was just something that somebody had said like well I like the idea of once you're mathematically eliminated you are no longer allowed to make um, pickups and I thought geez that's an interesting one I would like to discuss it because I personally feel like that's that's kind of a silly rule um, you shouldn't be able to make deals as soon as you are done your season so if you are still in season if you're in the playoffs like l- last year on the last day or second last day of our um, league finals I picked up Mondesi because he he had a strong September I was able to pick him up because I thought maybe he's going to help me on the Sunday and then he didn't play. <laughs> um, but then I was able to take him in the off season. Well, and, and the reality is you're in the playoffs and mm-hmm. you should have that ability to do that. That's your reward, right? For making the playoffs. And, and so, I had watched you the year before time, you saved a lot of your pickups for the final week and you were just dropping and streaming pitchers all week long. And I did, I watched it and I thought I'm going to do that. Yeah. Like as soon as I know, I need to save those spots because I might need to, you know, roll in 10 or 15 guys. If they're not keepers, what's the point in keeping them around? Yep. If I get a blown up ERA, the only way to combat it is have those pickups. Right. So in that league, just for, for reference point, we have a maximum acquisition number um, of 40. So you you can get yourselves if 40 is more than enough on average, right? Some people complain about it not being enough, but in my opinion, that's more than enough. If you're doing more than that, um, you, you're micromanaging the crap out of it. Sorry, I'm just laughing. At, do you know who has the most pickups of our max 40? Oh, me, 100%. Yeah, you have 39. Yeah, but uh, that's because I was scraping for weeks to try and get into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm not like I'm not debating that that's good or bad. But I remember, I think it was my first year in the league. I picked up and dropped a couple guys over the course of a weekend, and then someone made a, a mention in our league chat that like, uh, did anyone remind Rob that there's only 40 moves allowed? And I think at that point I was at like 30 something, and we were at like week 12. Yeah. Was, what? <laughs> oh, oh no. So once I learned that, I was like, oh goodness. But uh, last year. I was trying to pride myself on having the least number. Um, so the two at the bottom, 10 for uh, Pete with Shark, Aaron, Nato, and I have 11 pickups with my Sonder Metrics group. But Pete's in a playoff spot, and I'm, I'm soon to be. So You're chasing. You're, you're trending in the right direction. I certainly am. And I'm also crushing goodbye horses, which for any of the listeners, goodbye horses is what you name your team after you trade all of your good players away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think he, well, he traded a bunch of his pitchers that had been keepers for a long time. Right. So Verlander went out the door. Carrasco went out the door. Um, So, I mean, he, it was just a, a turning of the page, if you will. So I think that's one of those ones that I think is an appropriate name. Um, yeah, he's got Correa. He's got Trevor Bowers, his only notable pitcher, but he's got Luis Robert, Austin Riley, uh, Ben Intendi, Glaber Torres, Ozzy Albies. So this is a team that is trans, like you said, transitioning into a new phase. Um, so goodbye horses. I like it, Scotty. <laughs> and, and on a, just a transition note, uh, we talked about him on the, uh, intro today, Paul Goldschmidt, three straight home runs. Uh, it's it's July 24th today. He is climbing. That's his 21st home run of the season. He's probably going to get to that 30 number. And all you haters out there uh, need to remember that Paul Goldschmidt can play baseball. So 
Uh, I think by the end of the season, I predicted earlier that I think he'll get inside of the top 100. And people called me crazy. He is at 262. He was in the 500s a week and a half ago. So uh, let's keep that in mind as we uh, get through the season here and transition into the stretch run. And also, I don't know if I just fell asleep at the wheel, but uh, the Cardinals are right there. (laughs) They always end up somehow. Every team in the NL, we said that last week was within five games. I think Miami dropped back two and a half more. So every team in the NL, let's just comfortably say by the end of play tonight, will be within eight games um, of a wild card. And yeah, St. Louis is there, but they don't have the pitching, the starting pitching to really go down. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, if they make it. Like they've got got organizational depth. They can do some things. Um, And there's enough pitching on the market that they're they're definitely – uh, a team that could could definitely do some damage in the trade market. Um, you think there's a pretty good market for starting pitching this year? Um, I think there's a couple teams that no one's thinking about acquiring starting pitching yet. Um, and I think that's partly why uh, it's been quiet. I think the LA Angels are an off-the-radar team to pick up some starting pitching. Yeah, I, think. I mean, obviously, uh, obviously they lost Skaggs for one. But, but regardless of that, like – they're not going to have Otani throw a pitch this year. So an expiring contract for them is a good thing. Yeah. I just, I just think that it's a, it's an obvious one. I think the Cardinals are are an obvious one for a starter upgrade. Um, You know, I think the Cubbies could, could probably benefit from a starter upgrade. So there's just a whole bunch of options that, that they could end up with some guys. And like I said, there's some huge organizational depth there um, that they can make some moves on. And it's just a matter of, the right fit. Um, you know, I know we talk about him literally all the time. Uh, Strowman's a guy that would be unreal in the big ballpark in St. Louis. And I don't think that because we talk about him because we're Toronto Canadian uh, maple syrup, lumberjack poutine lovers, that that's an unreal thing that we bring him up a lot for possible landing spots. He's getting talked about everywhere by everyone because he is the top target. If you don't think Syndergaard is a realistic trade option. And every year there's always that like underperforming ace that could get traded. Baumgartner could get traded like potentially Thor. Um, not that he's an ace, but Wheeler, uh, the, they believe now is doing the most Mets thing of bringing him back before he's ready to try to give him a trade or two to increase his trade value. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, like there's a lot of possible landing spots for Stroman and the more the merrier, right? Because for the Jays, they just need to get things back in the tank for future potential assets. And whether that means he goes to St. Louis or Atlanta or possibly San Diego, doesn't matter to Toronto, you know, like even Boston or um, New York would be good fits if the return's there. Well, and the thing that St. Louis has that a lot of the other teams don't is crazy outfield depth. And they have another six outfielders in their top 15, right? So, you know, that's that's definitely a team that fits a need for the Jays. They need another stud outfielder to build with the core. Obviously, they're searching for pitching, but, you know, that's nor here nor there. I, I do think there's more of a pitching market than people think. Philly doesn't necessarily have the organizational depth to make the trade, but – you include a guy like they're allegedly in on Bauer and everybody else too. I just don't know. Yeah. Like you said, I don't know what they're trading. Is this Jonathan India? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, like it, who else? well, they don't have India. They have bomb. Oh, India's, sorry. Yeah. India's in Cincy. Cincy. Right. Um, but no, they, they, uh, they're talking about bomb Medina, uh, Luis Garcia being available. Uh, Jojo Romero, I think is a guy that would probably be the first one off their list. If they could trade him, I think he'd be the guy. Mickey Moniak is a guy that could probably go as well. Um, again, that, that could be an interesting landing spot uh, for a lot of reasons for a lot of teams. Like they, they do have some guys there. Um, and, and I think kudos to them for dumping almost their entire farm to Miami and still having some guys to replace it. Um, Alec, Alec Baum on his own, it could land pretty much anybody that's on the market right now. I just feel like it, it, in trades like that, like a one for one prospect for MLB or that's probably super rare. Not that I wouldn't be interested in bomb. I was thinking India um, who hasn't had the best pro debut or pro season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're way off target on any tanking, but I, I think that just happens because we just like 
talking baseball. Well, I think it is a good intro though into like actual major league tanking, which has been the new trend in rebuilding, right? So, you know, I think for me, it's a big reason why I look at keeping tanking in fantasy leagues because look at the success of a team like Houston, who not so long ago was the laughing stock of the major leagues, right? right? Detroit is on a very similar path. Toronto's slightly ahead of them on the curve. Baltimore's on their way back up. Just they're probably recovering the most from some bad decisions. Well, and a full a full change on Baltimore's entire management side is also going to alter that too. Because when Houston did it, Houston eliminated their um, scouting department and redid everything. Like there's the book, The MVP Machine, um, Ben Lindbergh, and I apologize, I don't know the other um, co-writer of it, wrote about a lot of the changes that Houston owner or not ownership that uh, Jeff Luna made when he came on, excuse me, when he came on board, there were so many very um, new age things that they did. And now everybody's kind of caught up to it, but yeah, like one thing. So this is relevant. For is both. Con- just hold, hold on one sec. Yeah. Was control C control V really um, innovative though. <laughs> Hey, if you know the password, baby, more power to you. <laughs> the Cardinals would stop using St. Louis as their password for everything. Right. <laughs> but they, they replaced the whole scouting department. Like they did actually make big changes. But um, so here's something for you, Ty, that relates to both leagues. So MLB, you cannot trade draft picks. There's now discussion that international, instead of doing the international free agent signing, it could as early as next year, as long as everybody approves it, meaning the MLB and the MLBPA, it could become a draft and it would be an international draft, which I think is a real big step forward because it means there's now an MLB amateur draft and an MLB international draft. So two drafts, there's a lot of different like tire kick ideas that every division would alter the year. They get one of the top five picks. Um, who knows what else could happen? That's all kind of irrelevant, but they've stated that you could potentially trade those picks. In MLB right now today, you cannot trade draft picks. You have compensation picks, which is the only way to increase your draft position, but you cannot trade picks. In Dynasty, do you like the idea of not being able to trade a pick? So wherever you finish in the standings is where you finish. You cannot trade draft picks. No, see, this is where I like flexibility. I like creating as many possible ways to be successful as humanly possible. So draft picks are one of those ways you talked about cap space being another one. I want to see every possible way. So like it's been something in our home league that has evolved over a 10 year window. We've created different rules that have allowed for different strategies, right? So I know Smitty is running a a heavy relief pitching model right now. Um, and, And that's just a way to win. And we created it so that that could be as competitive as say Jay's team who who's running a starter heavy team, right? So, you know, it's not to say that one's better than the other. It's saying that either or could win on any given week. And that's the beauty of it Uh, becomes about managing maneuvering and who you're playing, what their success is that week and and beating them on that, that foreground. So when it comes to trading the draft picks, I think that's a big part of that conversation. Um, It's maybe at a, a bigger scale. You're more or less manipulating the entire season versus maybe a week weekly matchup per se, but I think the conversation ends up being the same. Yeah. I'm just looking at Smitty's team right now. And, and yeah, basically the whole point of being able to either rebuild or build or compete in different formats. I, I really like it. And the league or leagues, I should say, cause there's more than one that I'm in where you can't trade draft picks every, I don't know, three weeks, somebody mentions in league chat, can we change the rules so we can trade picks? Because it's it's a way for a team that is in win-now mode to give away their first or whatever, however many rounds you have. It's, it's a way to give away a pick to get an asset that helps you continue on that road. And if you're on the other side of it, it's a way for you to potentially get better picks, whether you choose to try to make like, say, three mid or late round first round picks into a high first round pick, or you just draft all those players, it allows you or affords you flexibility. And I think in not trading the picks, you're basically just like truly seeing teams that want to tank to get a better, uh, better draft slot in every round. So one, one, two, one, three, one, and so on. Well, and we talked about it earlier too. It's a, it's a great way to get people to leave your league. 
right? If you leave them at the bottom with no way to get out, no way to rebuild quickly. And that's what draft picks allow you to do. They just allow you to get back on the horse really quickly, right? So like the trade you and I did in the home league, right? I ended up with some draft picks of yours. You got a bunch of good players to help you make a run. And it worked out for both sides, right? I'm yeah, allowed I got to a tie last week. <laughs> yeah, it was, well, it's better than the the three out of the four losses in the previous four weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I just thought it was funny that I made I make this big trade on our long week, like our second longest week of the year, or whatever. Um, the All Star. Yeah, I make this make this trade, get everybody for a full week, and then I ended up with a tie out of it well, against a three win team that had the his best week of the season. Yeah, right? which was the most frustrating part for me. I was like, "How is this happening? This is not the right week for me to be um, not crushing it." I and mean, your pitching did get blown up, but it did. Yeah. My ERA that week was three ninety nine. Yeah, so. well, that's that'd be a good week for my team. Equality starts, but I had seven losses. So there you go. Like you said, and that's the thing. I also had 108 innings pitched to his 68. Sometimes you got to stream a little better. And I'm, I, I admit, I am not a fan of streaming my pitchers. If they're on my team, I like to play them. Uh, in points leagues, it's obviously very different. You're not, very seldom would you ever stream anyone. But if you're on dynasty or sorry, in, in dynasty and in categories, you have to look at where are they helping you? Where are they hurting you? And I tend to just think, let's just get those counting categories. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, and that's usually what I try to do. I usually try to chase those big numbers when when the crap hits the fan, I guess. Um, and ultimately, just got to ride ride the pony. So um, that's kind of how how I feel. Are, are we missing any of the major topics here on tanking? Uh, I feel like we've covered a lot so far. But um, you know what what was the the Twitterverse given us in terms of ideas or or their feelings on on the tanking situation? Friend of the show, Ronnie, uh, who's Roto Ronnie, uh, has said, tanking is a part of life. It's a viable strategy in Dynasty stuck to suck for three years and be good for five. Sometimes it's the only way to win if your league landscape has settled and locked into long-term contracts or you don't want to spend $500 of your own money like in the True Test MLB Dynasty League. And that's a 30-team league I just mentioned before where you pay actual money and once you eclipse a certain amount, just like MLB, you pay $2 for every $1 in contract. And we do actually have in Ronnie's division two teams who I believe are both paying over $400 for their teams this year. So good luck to Ronnie on getting a wild card. So in that instance, I get it. And then he said, tanking in single season or redraft leagues, you can burn in hell. (laughs) that's it's aggressive and i like it but um you know i i I think that's kind of covering some of the things that that we've said already today and i and i think that's i i think it's the best approach like i think there is a place for it i think you just have to do a very good job of understanding the group in your league and setting the rules to fit that group right but at the end of the day it comes it's it's on the or it is the responsibility of the commissioner to set those guidelines and, and live by them and learn from your group as, as the league evolves as well. Yeah. And I would say the, the only other, I mean, there were a few comments that we've already kind of went over is, you know, you should prevent this or do this. Um, Some of them are basically that you, you take a non-playoff team as soon as they're mathematically eliminated and all of their moves are then up for veto, which I thought was like the silliest thing you can imagine. So if somebody makes a trade, it's the one in 14 team at your trade deadline. They go and make a trade that is really going to um, help a team out far more than anyone thinks is fair. So I don't know what you want. Like if you traded Yelich and a couple good pitchers and you got back a couple of picks for next year's draft or something like that is that because they've already been eliminated from the playoffs, you should be able to veto that. I think that's a terrible idea as we've talked about before. Um, I think the official dingers rule on vetoes is vetoes are for collusion cases only. Otherwise we're talking dynasty. You might have to explain that you did the two of you discussed the trade and that you wanted certain pieces for this or that, but at no point in time, should you ever be able to overturn a trade in dynasty? Yeah, no, I, I think so too. I mean, again, it comes down to the quality of the group you're putting together. Can they get it done? Yes or no. Um, and, and can they, they kind of self-police everything. It's a big part of league success is who's in it. I mean, it really is that simple. Yeah. Somebody else said, uh, instead of punishing teams 
why don't you try the opposite and give lower end teams in your league incentive on actually trying to win until the very end? I don't know how you could necessarily implement it into regular season, but it's something to do. Make a consolation playoff, which we did discuss, um, but they just said make a consolation playoff that helps to keep teams competitive. So I don't know if, I don't know if maybe they meant to say they had an idea um, as to whether that would be for draft compensation or something like that. Um, well, I think yeah. it's very similar to what we were saying earlier in terms of have the bottom eight teams play for the top four spots and have the bottom four of that group of eight boosted further up the draft instead of sticking in that one to eight slot, motivate them to, to play all the way through and feel the competitive roster in the last three weeks like that, that really makes a big difference because that means they're not dumping their roster for two months. That means they are competitive um, all the way through. It helps the integrity of the upper tier. Um, I think it's a great way to do it. I, I really like it. And I think it has a place because it doesn't penalize bad teams that are in rebuilding, right? Like let's say, right. let's say a guy has uh, who's a great example Verlander let's say like a group of Verlanders that age group of players that are on their way out at some level eventually that roster is going to age out and when it does that team is going to have to rebuild from the bottom and so you know having them be able to come back and be competitive uh, from the bottom and get some of those draft picks built up is going to be important for that team to come back because obviously if they're near the top of, uh, of the standings they are successful already. So you want to motivate them to get back there, not stop them from rebuilding. Yeah. I think anything that like you had said, Ty puts you in a deeper hole in, in a dynasty league is a bad thing. Having the options, that's a plus. So the other one was um, Ranger rookie said, I would put in a second round, sorry, a two round draft for non-playoff teams for players owned by any team. Every year, there are always players springing up that are free agents for those leagues. So I feel like he's essentially saying at the end of the season, anyone that's a free agent. So this must be smaller leagues where um, players who's maybe have expiring contracts, they could then be drafted. So it's an interesting idea. You could kick that around to different ways, but it gives you and and it says, sorry, it also says that um, this would be for the draft order from strongest to weakest of those teams. So of the non playoff teams, you're incentivizing teams to keep going until the end. And I, I agree. Like, I think if you can find a way, like you said, Ty, there's nothing that's going to be perfect. If you can find a way to get teams to put in a good lineup every day to not sell off and just end up with, you know, the highest draft draft picks they can. Um, yeah. Somebody else here. What is it here? That says, I, just before we move on, yeah. I really like that idea of first crack of the RFAs. I, I like that idea. I think there's some legs to that yeah. Um, because there is like RFAs are usually the guys that are off the board coming out of the woodwork. I I think it's a great idea. And I I think it still allows you to put in some of those anti-tanking potential rules in in the, the bigger draft. If you choose to, I I like the idea of having the flexibility between those two functionalities though. Um, I, I think it allows teams to rebound quickly and I think it allows those teams that are maybe missing one or two starting guys to grab the Harold Ramirez's of the world and, and fill a roster spot very quickly. Yeah, and, and that is that is a good idea. I, I mean, it, depending on your league format, of course, like you could almost make it like an auction exclusive for non-playoff teams for expiring contracts or something like that. Yep. Um, and then, yes, so the last one that I had that was uh, made any level of sense Um, just says I honestly don't have any rules against tanking in my league so I guess this is a commissioner I honestly don't know what rule to even put in place I guess I could dock draft picks but why would I okay yeah I'm kind of with that mentality I I just I'm I'm from a (laughs) uh, you've been in the league that the, the home league that I run and, you know, I'm a little more authoritative than, than some other commissioners. Um, rules are rules. If you break them, you're gone. Um, we expect you to be a full participant. If not, you're gone. I, I'm just a little more decisive on those sort of things, and I think that allows us to keep things moving and keep it fresh and make sure the people that are participating are getting everything out of it. So we don't run into it. You know, running a 30-team league is obviously a little bit different. Uh, you're going to have different problems. Um, but ultimately, I think it comes down to, 
to just understanding the group of people and, and the commissioner has to do that. Yeah. And definitely like empathy and listening to the owners. If people are willing to reach out to you about something, that means they have a genuine concern or um, the oddest of things, genuine praise to say they appreciate the way that you're doing things. And I think my standpoint is, especially in the larger leagues, you, you just want everyone to be putting forth the effort to to have the best team. The best team doesn't have to be the 2019 team, but you don't want it to be the 2023 team. Well, absolutely. And, and there's definitely a difference between being authoritative, like I said, and then this approach. that for a while just to make sure it hit home is that the new oasis track <laughs> no there was no fighting in the background <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. well i mean there is a difference right we've all been in those leagues and i know you always drop a reference every now and then to your bio g league um, yeah. of of what's overstepping the bounds of the commissioner and i think that's the other part too um if, if you're running a league and you don't care about the people that are giving you good feedback to your point, you know, ultimately that's going to create tanking and, and leading to people exiting your league. Yeah. Cause the bonus side and the reason that we're discussing it this week is, is when you are in a league that has an unsettled or unbalanced tanking rule, you end up with a huge division in those leagues and you have the division that are winning and get to beat up on those teams that are tanking. And you have the teams that are tanking who really end up with less hope. So if you don't have a lot of avenues to provide them with future areas to build, sometimes those tanking teams are just going to keep doing it over and over again. But if you have different incentives, whether it's the consolation bracket, whether it's um, like that shot at RFAs, like we discussed from somebody's suggestion, um, you you can give teams the option that yes, this is not your year, but that doesn't mean you're screwed for two more. Totally, yep, I completely agree, and uh, that's that's the changeover because year to year is really a big part of this conversation too, right? Is what's, what's the ability to transition from one year to the next? How do you, you know, leapfrog it? Obviously the draft is a huge part of that, but you really don't want to give or anyone free a agency If you're in an yeah. option, whatever it is. Yeah. Like the, there's a transition point in the off season. Yeah. And, and maybe that's actually a really good, cause we haven't really talked about auction leagues. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the, the scenario where you do have an auction, you incentivize the bottom teams, in sort of the 16 team constellation with extra free agent dollars. Like maybe that's mm. the angle, right? Like there's a lot of different ways to do it, uh, but get creative, try it, see if it works and then tell us if it did or didn't um, hit us up yeah. at Dinger's pod on Twitter and let us know uh, if he screwed the pooch or if it actually worked out really well. Or if you're in a league that has something that's not what we mentioned tonight, because that would be really cool too. So, and Ty, we did discuss uh, before we started recording that next week we will double our episodes because we have the MLB trade deadline on the 31st. It is the final deadline, no more trades. And then we will also have um, a fantasy deadline because we know some leagues, several leagues will start trade deadlines as early as August 4th. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to the absolute chaos that is going to be this trade deadline. Uh, it's going to be off the hook. Nobody sees it coming yet but there's a whole bunch of teams hanging in that limbo zone, especially the NL. Um, it is exciting. Uh, the, the AL, not so much, but like you said earlier in the show, uh, the angels are right there. Texas has a few too many injuries. They're going to fall off, but um, I think you've got a good nine teams uh, in the AL and, and probably 10 or 11 on, on the NL side that are, are going to be looking to make some moves. Yeah, and I certainly can't wait to see what happens on the 31st and how that affects every fantasy team and fantasy owner that have trade deadlines of August 4th because I think it's going to be pretty monumental to see. I, I From what I just listened to, uh, what's it, The Wheelhouse, Jerry Depoto's podcast, Seattle Mariners general manager, my favorite uh, manager ever, and he 
says he thinks there's going to be a lot of depth guys moved. So those are, especially in our deeper leagues, those are the Eric Sogards of the world, the Freddie Galvises. I know I'm mentioning Toronto guys, um, but that's because I'm just looking at the box score from the game <laughs> right now. Um, but yeah, like Justin Smokes, any other Blue Jays, basically. <laughs> um, there could be a lot of the depth guys move because teams don't have the ability to pick them up mid-August, at the end of August, because other injuries have happened. So, and a lot of guys, as he said, that might have options that are playing right now could find themselves back in the minors until September 1st. So it's, it's going to be different, you know, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I think we're entering an era where there's going to be a whole bunch of change in major leagues in terms of trades and draft picks, as we've talked about, and other things. Uh, you've seen MLB loosen its grip on some of this stuff, and I think they'll continue to do it. I mean, look at, look at what we're doing. I mean, we're talking about fantasy baseball trades, um, and I think baseball at the major league level recognizes the value of, of the PR and the press and just – chatting about these sort of things on a regular basis. Uh, so I think you'll see them continue to move uh, in that direction. And I think this year will be the beginning of, of reasons for that. One more quick thing, talking about MLB trades, Marcus Stroman tonight, seven innings pitched, one earned run, one walk, six Ks. His ERA is now 296. That is probably his final start for Los Blue Jays, unless they want to get a little cocky with it and get it almost to the deadline because I think his next start would be the 29th or 30th um, and then if Ken Giles can be traded then the new Jays closer will be uh, Daniel Hudson who ERA at 280 uh, I don't I think he came in in the eighth tonight looks like um, yeah and he's another guy deep sleeper to pick up can't wait can't wait for it just like is, is San Francisco going to empty the cabinets what cabinets <laughs> the um they got really, lima beans in there and <laughs> do you have that cricket did, did you do were you able to pick up that cricket thing for the let's <laughs> let, let's see what i got for them um if, so if we're looking at san francisco's mlb depth yep <laughs> <laughs> nailed it Hell yeah and i also think maybe you tie next week because you talked about a couple of guys in the minors who are doing great things and should be up playing on MLB teams, um, you know who I'm talking about, that we should be discussing for those big, deep leagues that maybe you should pick this guy up because nobody else is going to touch him. Yeah, that guy was super deep, and uh, the numbers are there to make the pros at some level. Somebody should be rostering him somewhere, but uh, we'll chat about that this time next week on Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. 